0: Church, if you agree, say amen, 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 amen. praise the Lord. Well, we said it before, and we will say it again. Uh, happy Easter, Hope Bible Church, Ottawa. Praise the Lord, uh-huh, yes. And a happy Easter, a special happy Easter to those of you who are visiting with us this week. We are so thankful to have you here whether you stumbled across our website or were invited by a family member or a friend make sure you turn and thank them before the evening is over what a what a special time to celebrate together what matters most. Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. You will need a Bible in front of you today. Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 to 10. And if you do not have a Bible with you, our ushers are coming forward right now. They've got the Bibles up. They want to put one in your lap. Don't be shy. Raise your hands up nice and high. Hey, that rhymes. That's cool. And make sure that you get a copy of God's Word in front of you. And our text today is on page 487 of those Bibles. Our text today, one more over here, one more over here, right there, Belize, right there, Belize. Our text is on page 487. Well, great news, great news, loved ones. Jesus, as we have just declared through song, Jesus has risen from the dead, amen? Oh, we got to try that again. Jesus has risen from the dead. Come on. Now, make no mistake. Make no mistake, loved ones. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, this is not an overstatement by a long shot. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the great single greatest event in human history. In all of history. Why? The resurrection is the definitive picture, get this, get this, ready? Want some good news today? It is the definitive picture of the victory of life over death. We live in a culture today, we live in a world today, you turn on the news and it seems like death is everywhere, doesn't it? The resurrection is the definitive picture of life over death. Here, here it doesn't stop there. Here's what all that means. The resurrection is the greatest picture of peace over fear. Anyone needing peace today? You finding yourself anxious? You finding yourself fearful when you hear the newscast or you look at the events of where where the nation's headed? anyone, Anyone feeling anxious? The resurrection dispels it. It is the definitive picture of peace over fear. Here's another one. It is the picture of joy over sorrow. Eternal joy over sorrow. Here's another one, big one. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the definitive picture of love conquering hate. You think our world is in desperate need of that today? It is the definitive picture of hope over hopelessness. And here's what we have to realize. If this isn't true, if the resurrection didn't happen, then none of what we just sang and none of what we as Christians, if you're a Christian in this room, none of what you believe and live means anything. It means nothing. Without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. It doesn't exist. And you say that's a pretty big statement. Can you back it up? Yeah, of course. From God's word, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 14. The apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Lord himself, the Holy Spirit says this. And if Christ, that is Jesus, has not been raised, then our preaching, what I'm doing right now, our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. You know what that the Greek word for that word vain means? It means empty. Your preaching's empty. And your faith is completely empty. It also means worthless. It's worthless. If the resurrection never happened. It's foolish. But here's the other side of that. If it is true, if it is true, here's what this means. Then everything, not not an overstatement, eyes up here, then everything in your life and mine, every literally everything, depends on how you respond to it. If it's true. And herein lies the problem you and I face. Here's why this truth is so important, loved ones. Because you and I wrestle with a problem, and it is this unbelief. It is the sin of unbelief, where we struggle, or maybe some of us here today just refuse to believe the truth of the resurrection, the truth of Jesus rising from the grave and conquering debt. And, and, and we refuse, even if we believe that, so often as Christians we can refuse to live in the power and freedom and forgiveness and peace and love and joy and strength and hope and life that Jesus offers us through it. A life of resurrection power. And here's the result of our unbelief. You don't have to look far. Just look around. You'll see it. Here's the result of unbelief. Ready? A culture, a life gripped in fear. Gripped by fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of man. Fear of what will happen if this recession happens. What will happen here? Here's another one. The result of our unbelief in the resurrection is it leads us to a life of anxiety. Maybe you're here and you're struggling in the grip of anxiety. Maybe you couldn't sleep last night because of those anxious thoughts. And no matter what you try to do, no matter what substance you try to use, those never go away. Here's another result of our unbelief in the resurrection, and unbelief in Jesus Christ, a life filled with anger and confusion. Think our world's confused right now? Mm-hmm. Brokenness, sorrow, and hopelessness. And today, if you're here, And you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You have repented of your sin and confessed him as Lord. Here's what this means for you. Maybe you're here battling your unbelief in his power and his promises for you. In the hope that you have in him and the life that you have in him that he's promised. Maybe you're struggling with that today. Glad you're here. Praise the Lord. Or maybe you're here and you've never made that decision to follow Christ but you're searching. You're like, I want to know the truth. I want to know if this is actually true. If if this can be trusted, the authority of the word of God. If Jesus Christ can be trusted. I want to know the truth. If that's you, I'm so thankful you're here. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're here and you're skeptical about this whole thing. You're like, you guys are crazy. You're jumping around singing, fist pumping, singing at the top of your lungs. You believe an ancient book, really, is your authority. Maybe you're here and you're skeptical. Yeah, I don't think so. I can't believe that. You don't. Maybe you're here and you've heard the truth of God's word at Easter again and again and again. And yet you've never come to true saving faith. You're like, "Mm, yeah, I heard the truth of Jesus before. Or maybe you're here and you're like, I believe that's true, but I'm afraid of what it's going to mean if I follow him. maybe you're here and you're just indifferent. You're like, I just came for the food. I'm here for that buffet afterwards with my friends. But I want to encourage you. I'm so thankful you're here. Bring all of that right now. Right now in faith. You want to know the truth? Bring all of that to God wherever you're at on that spectrum. Bring it all to God tonight. And genuinely, genuinely, loved ones, ask him to show you the truth. And here's, here's the beautiful thing. He will. Because he longs To reveal the truth to you. Why? Why would he do this? Here's why. Because he loves you. He created you and I for his glory. And he loves you and longs for you. And he longs to show you. Here, this truth right here. If you get nothing else out of tonight, get this right here. You'll see it on the screen. He longs to show you tonight that Jesus has risen from the grave. And you must believe in him to have life. Eternal life, it is found in no other place. You will not find it anywhere else. That's what Jesus longs to show you tonight if you're willing to come to him. Welcome to Easter. There's the message. There's no bunny in that. There's Easter. Right there. Jesus has risen from the grave, and you must believe in him to have life. And here in our text today, we're going to see two truths that we must believe if we are to know the truth of the resurrection of Jesus and have life in his name. You ready to go, loved ones? All right, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 to 10. We're going to stand to honor the authority of God's word, and we're going to read it together. Kids, make sure you're standing. Read this nice and loud. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. Let's go. The resurrection. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week... Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Hear the word of the Lord. All God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, Jesus has risen from the dead. And what we see right here from these beautiful 10 verses is this. The truth of the resurrection has been revealed. The truth of the resurrection has been revealed. And Jesus tells us to come and see. Come and see for yourself. The evidence for the resurrection is clear. I'll say it again. The evidence of the resurrection is clear. But here's the question you and I face today. Will you see the truth and believe it? Will you see the truth and believe it? Let's get our context. Context is key. Here we are, Jerusalem, first century. It is dawn on Sunday morning. That's the first day that you see in verse 1. And there's a scene going on in Jerusalem, and there's a scene of fear mixed with anxiety and doubt and worry and confusion. Why? Why all of this going on? Because three days earlier, on Friday, the day before the Sabbath day, Jesus was crucified on the cross to pay the penalty for the sin of the world. And Jesus died, and he was buried, and here's the truth, he has been in the grave for three days. And so here's what people are asking. Can he be trusted? Like, what happens now? Can he be trusted to do what he said? He said he was going to rise, but what happens to us now as his followers? Was he really the Messiah as he claimed? They're asking, will he rise? Will he rise again like he promised to do? And all those questions, and so many more about to get answered. Look at verse one. Let's go back to the text, read it with. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see The tomb. All right, so here we are Sunday morning at dawn. And there's two of Jesus's, get this, this is going to be key. Two of Jesus's closest followers. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary who is the Mary of James the Less. One of Jesus's disciples. What do they do? They've seen him crucified and now they come back to the tomb. Did you notice the text? They come back to the tomb where they saw Jesus buried three days earlier. Now, what does this tomb look like? Well, by God's grace, I used to live in Jerusalem. And so this is the garden tomb that we would go to. It's just outside the east gate of Jerusalem. This is the tomb where all evidence points to Jesus being buried. And so they're at this tomb. And you know, how do you, you say, well, how do you know they're there? Well, if you go back a few verses to Matthew 27, 61, it says, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, watching Jesus get buried, sitting opposite the tomb. Now, okay, why did they come back to the tomb? If he's already dead, why come back? This is the question that must be asked. Why are they even on the road? Well, as we see from the parallel gospels of Matthew, of Mark, and Luke, they came to finish anointing Jesus' body for burial. Remember? It was just before the Sabbath. They had to rush because you couldn't anoint bodies on the Sabbath. You couldn't do any work. And so they had to rush. So all they had time to do was to wrap him in linen cloths and put him in this tomb. But the Jewish custom was that they would anoint the body to offset the smell of decay. And here's the key to grasping the truth. Did you notice this? These followers... Two of his closest followers, Mary and Mary, they weren't expecting him to be resurrected, were they? Why would you bring anointing spices to the tomb for someone who you think isn't dead? I mean, these were two of his closest followers. They weren't expecting him, and and rightly so. I mean, they saw him crucified three days earlier. They were literally at the cross as spikes are being driven into his hands and a spear is being thrust into his side. They're watching him get whipped and beaten, taking on the sin of the world. Then they saw him hung up on that cross and then get taken down His body get wrapped in burial cloth. They saw him get laid in that tomb right there that you see. And they saw the stone be rolled in front of its entrance, sealing him inside. And as such, here's what we need to see, loved ones. First thing, it's clear that by them bringing anointing spices... They were not expecting Jesus to be raised from the dead. So what does this mean? Well, there's a theory out there that the disciples had this conspiracy. They used to try to disprove the resurrection by saying it's a conspiracy. It's a corpse heist. It was the disciples who took the, tomb, the body out of the tomb so that everyone would believe that Jesus raised from the dead. Well, here you see right here. They can't do that. They think he's dead. There's no heist. There's no conspiracy going on to move the body. They're not coming with work gloves to move the tomb away. They're coming with anointing spices. They would have known if there was a conspiracy. And then they get to the tomb. Watch this. This is incredible. You ready? Kids, you ready? Ready? Watch this. They see the evidence of the truth of the resurrection revealed in two ways. Watch this. Number one, they see it through a demonstration of power. Go back to the text, verses 2 to 4. Watch this. They're at the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Now, the Greek word for great there means megos. That means it's not a little tremor. Megos, earthquake, for an angel, watch this, for an angel of the Lord. What caused the earthquake? For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and he sat on it. Awesome. Awesome. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards, that is the Roman guards, trembled and became like dead men. See, notice this. When the women arrive at the tomb, in all their grief, in all their sorrow, with all these anointing spices, because they believe he's dead, God gives, notice we did, supernatural authentication of the truth of Jesus' resurrection through causing what? A great Megos earthquake. And then sending an angel as his messenger to roll the stone away. Now, did you see the description of the angel? You may think, well, little angels. We're not talking about little cherubs with like, you know, yellow curly hair. And little cute toes that are always curled. And fluffy cheeks. And little wings on the back with an arrow. They're ready to shoot. You see on Hallmark cars. No offense to Hallmark. That's not the angels we're talking about. Look how the angels described. Verse 3. Go back to the book. His appearance was like lightning. Awesome. Dazzling light. That's what it means. His his clothes were as white as snow. That means dazzling light. The power and purity and holiness of God on display. And what does he do when he gets to the tomb? He gets the stone, pushes it away, he sits. That was easy. He sits down as the posture of authority. He's not freaking out. And notice this. When the Roman guards see him, verse 4, go back to the text. When the Roman guards see him, they see God's power on display. And notice their response. They're so traumatized and afraid, they're thrown into tremors, and they pass out unconscious. Now you think, oh, those guards are like nothing. Little fraidy cats. Do, Do you know who the Roman guards were? Rome ruled most of the ancient world of the day at that time. And the Roman military was the most feared military in the entire world. Why? Because they knew how to train their soldiers. These were trained, ferocious killers. And the fiercest warriors in the world. And here's the thing about this. They took their job so seriously because there was a law that if a Roman Guard, If a Roman centurion, the prisoner they were watching, got away, it would cost them their life. They would be killed. They took their job very seriously and they knew how to kill and they would stand up to any enemy. And you notice, if you kick back a few verses to Matthew 27, 65, we see that this, Roman, this batch of Roman guards outside the tomb was specifically chosen by Pilate to make the tomb as secure as possible. As such, the Romans, the religious leaders, they're not sending out the Roman junior varsity team to watch Jesus. They're not sending out the JV squad. They're sending out their top trained Warriors. And they are put there outside the tomb after that stone was rolled away to make sure the disciples couldn't steal the body. So there's no chance of a corpse heist. It's an insurmountable obstacle. I don't think Mary and Mary would have had a chance. But here's the truth we need to see right here. Man's best efforts, the enemy's best efforts, Cannot stop the power of God. I'll say it again, be encouraged with that today, loved ones. Man's best efforts cannot stop the power of God. God is not intimidated. He's not sitting up there sweating on the throne right now with all that's going on to try to take him increasingly out of society and put him to the margins. No matter how many stones people or society try to put in the way, he cannot be stopped. Why? Because Jesus, verse 2, the answers in verse 2 go back to the text. Jesus is the Lord. That word Lord there in the Greek means the ruler of the universe, the master, the one who has universal jurisdiction, all authority and power. That is Jesus. So question for us today. Where do you need to remember this today, loved one? And put your faith in him as you see the way this world's going, to remember that the Lord, Jesus Christ, he has all authority, he is in complete control, and he is working it out for his glory and the good of those who love him. See, I want to encourage you that no matter what is happening in this world, we may not understand why things are happening. And there's a lot of devastation in this world, isn't there, loved ones? Isn't there? You know, I was just in Ukraine three weeks ago. Myself and Kevin to preach the gospel there and to see we we're at a refugee camp. And it just breaks your heart, the devastation that's going on. And we can begin to doubt sometimes, can't we? Like, Lord, what are you doing? I don't see, what, what is going on? It just seems chaotic. Are you really the Lord overall? And this is things Kevin and I are still working through on a whole number of levels. We're not doubting God's authority here, but when you don't understand it, it's tough, isn't it? When you can't see the way through. But I want, I want to encourage you with this, of what it means that Jesus is the Lord. Yeah, we were over there in that refugee camp. and we went into Ismail, Ukraine. And you know what we saw? Yeah, there was devastation. Lots of it. And sorrow and pain. But I also can tell you this, we saw a demonstration of God's power. Because you know What? in spite of all the wreckage and the hurt and the death, we're seeing sorrow overcome with joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are seeing despair conquered through the hope of Jesus Christ. We are seeing fear overcome by faith in Jesus Christ. We are seeing anxiety overcome with the peace of Jesus Christ and the sorrow overcome with the comfort of Jesus Christ and hatred overcome by the love of of Jesus Christ. In the midst of all of it. Jesus is still building his church. And saving and drawing people to himself. And so we may not see it all. But he's not stopped. He will not be stopped. He always has the final say. So we see here a demonstration of power. Right in the middle of the sorrow. But also here's the other evidence of truth of the resurrection. We see a declaration of proof. A declaration of proof. Go back to the text, verse 5 to 7. But the angel said to the women... So they're obviously in shock. You would be. I would be. The angel says to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. Notice the promise: there you're going to see him. See, I have told you. See, the angel speaks to the women and tells them that they don't need to fear, because even though Jesus was crucified, notice it says he was crucified. There's another theory used to disprove the resurrection that says, "Well, Jesus just passed out." And then after a few hours, he got up and he was gone. Notice the authority of God. Jesus was crucified. The Romans knew how to kill people. A spear was thrust in his side to prove it. He was crucified. But the angel says he's no longer dead in the tomb. He's risen just as he said, just as he promised he would. You say, where did he make that promise? Matthew 20, verses 17 to 19 is one place. And then the angel, I love this, he gives them an invitation to come and see where he had laid. Okay, watch this. Stone gets rolled away. Go ahead. There's the tomb. There's the outside of the tomb. Right? He gives them this invitation to come and see where he had laid. And now here's the inside of the tomb. are picture's here. So you can see they've barred off where they would lie the the bodies in the tomb. They have barred that off. They don't want graffiti and things like that. This is the inside of Jesus' tomb. And that's where they would have laid his body. And there's actually room for two people in that tomb. So this is what they're seeing. He says, Come and see the place where he had laid. And it just, you notice this? You have to question, ask the question. God's big enough to handle your questions. Ask the question. Like, why on earth, if Jesus is the Lord Almighty Himself, if He created heaven and earth, why did He have to have the stone rolled away? Like if He was all powerful, could He not just walk through the rock? Yes, He could. And if you keep reading in the gospel of John chapters 20 and 21 you'll see he was walking through walls after the resurrection. Literally walking through walls. He could have walked out of that tomb. He didn't need that stone rolled away. So that should be a head scratcher. Why why did he make such an emphasis of the stone getting rolled away? Why did he need to move the stone? Here's the truth, loved ones. I love this. Eyes up here. I love seeing your eyes. The stone was not moved so Jesus could get out of the tomb. Did you notice? Right from the text, when the stone got rolled away, Jesus was already gone. Did you see that? Let's go back to the text. It's our authority. Jesus was already gone. The stone did not get rolled away to let Jesus out. He's the Lord of all. He created it. He can get out just fine. Why was it rolled away? To let the witnesses in. To see for themselves the truth of the resurrection. To reveal it. And the angel says, right in that tomb, right there, that you see, come and see. Come and see. And you see in verse 7, after declaring the proof that Jesus had been raised from the dead, the angel commissions these women to not just come and see, but then to do what? To go and tell. There's the witness: to go and tell Jesus' other disciples, his other followers, that he had risen and would fulfill his promise that he would meet them in Galilee soon. Where did he make this promise? We see it in Matthew 26:32, Mark 16:7. Jesus says, "I will see you in Galilee." Rally the troops. I'll meet them there. Now, now, keep these tomb picks up here, loved ones. Keep them up there, team. The pow- As you look at that, I want you to think of this. The power of God demonstrated right there. Can you put the outside shot there too? The power of God demonstrated. Thank you. The proof of God declared. The promise of God fulfilled. Here's what this means. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And here's what that means, that Jesus is alive. The penalty for sin is paid. Death has been defeated. That grave could not hold him. Darkness has been overcome with the light of hope. Freedom from sin is offered. An unshakable hope is offered. Eternal peace, joy, and life are offered. There's what the empty tomb means. So question, we get back to it. The evidence of the resurrection is clear. And these are just a few of the evidences, by the way. We don't have time to go into all of them. These are just a few that we see from this text. Will you see the truth and believe it? And maybe you're looking at that tomb right now, and there's a thumping going on here. You're like, yeah, but, and and, and you you sense it. Here's, Here's my... Encouragement for you based on the authority of God's word in the book of Hebrews. Today when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Don't turn it away. Today when you look at that tomb and you hear his voice to say, I'm alive. This is true. Come to me. Come and see. Don't harden your heart, loved ones. There is life waiting for you. You were not brought here by accident. The Lord brought you so you too could come and see. Jesus has risen from the dead. The truth is revealed. And not only this, last point today. Ready? Let's tune in. The truth is not just revealed, the truth is confirmed. The truth is confirmed. And Jesus says to you and I today do not be afraid. It's me. It's true. Don't be afraid. See, the truth about Jesus is confirmed. But the question of Easter is this, facing you and I today. How will you respond to Jesus? Truth is revealed. It is confirmed. How will you respond? See, because there's a lingering question. Did you pick it up? Maybe you're asking this right now. There's a lingering question from the first seven verses of our text. We've seen the angel declare that Jesus was risen. We've seen that. We've seen the the women believe he was still dead, though. And you say, well, the truth is revealed. But here's my question, preacher. Where's Jesus? If he's really alive, okay, where is he? Where is he? Well, let's go to the text, verses 8 to 10. Let's go. So they departed quickly. These are the ladies. They see the empty tomb. They depart quickly quickly. From the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them. There's Jesus. And he said, Greetings. Can you imagine what that's like for those two ladies who just moments earlier were filled with sorrow and grief? Here's Jesus on the road. Hey, greetings. Greetings, loved ones. Happy Easter. There's Jesus. And watch this. And they came up. By the way, can I just encourage one thing? The Bible isn't simply a story. You know, that's some ancient book, just a bunch of stories. Actually, actually, did you know that the book of Matthew is a historical narrative? Which means this actually happened. And you can look back in the historical records, and you will see a man named Jesus, 33 years old, was crucified. You will see that. It's a historical fact. You can't deny it. And so here these women see him raised from the dead. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And verse 10, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. You think that was soothing to their soul? Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. See, once the women see that Jesus has risen, they hear the command of the angel, they quickly leave the tomb in this combination of fear and great joy. I think you're adjusting to the shock too, if you're them. You're adjusting the shock. I saw you dead, and now you're alive, and I saw you ripped apart, and as Isaiah says, disfigured beyond the recognition of a human being, and here you are standing saying greetings. There's a combination here of fear and great joy, and they run to tell the other disciples, but something happens they don't expect. They come face to face. They see that the truth that was revealed is now confirmed. Verse 9, as they come up to Jesus, do you see what they did? Verse 9, go to the book. They bowed down, and they took hold of his feet and worshipped him. They bowed down, they took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. And then in verse 10, Jesus says to them, Do not be afraid, Mary, Mary. Do not be afraid. But go and tell my brothers, the disciples, to go to Galilee, that is in northern Israel, and I will meet them there. See, I want you to notice two things that confirm the truth of the resurrection, the identity of Jesus right here. Number one, did you see what the women did? They took hold of his feet. They took hold of his feet. Here's what this means. If we have any medical professionals in the building. I used to be a science teacher. So uh, I have experience with this. Here's what this means. They took hold of his feet. They're not hallucinating. They're not having a hallucinic vision based on shock. Everyone just go like this. They're grabbing his feet. There it is. They're grabbing his actual feet on a resurrected body. Jesus is not a spirit. He was resurrected in body. Now notice this. Not only these two women were going to see him, but the rest of the disciples would also. Verse 10. The brothers will see me. Where? Well, we see from this point on, all throughout the Gospels in the Bible, there are at least 12 recorded post-resurrection appearances that Jesus made to his disciples. At least 12 before he ascended to heaven. And here's a big one. In one of these post-resurrection appearances... He appeared to 500 people at one time. Okay, okay. Hold on a second. We got a decision to make based on this truth. 500 people at the same time, in the same place, had the same hallucination. That's one option. All 500 people were hallucinating with the same vision at the same time, in the same place. Or we could go with what the Bible says and see that Jesus rose from the grave like he said. Now here's the question that rocked me in sermon prep this morning. What question of those do you want to hinge your eternity on? What question do you want to hinge your eternity on? 500 hallucinations or one resurrected Savior? And notice what else they do. They grab his feet and then what do they do? They worship him. And notice what he does. He doesn't reject it, he receives their worship. What does that mean? That he's the Lord. That they're declaring him to be one Lord, one Savior. Jesus Christ. And right here, loved ones, we see this life-changing, life-giving truth. You'll see it on the screen. Check this out. Death, here's what this means. They grab his feet, they worship. Here's what it means. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what it means that they grab the feet and worship the Lord. Death is swallowed up in victory. And here's what it means for us today. Jesus is risen from the dead. The truth is revealed and the truth is confirmed. How will you and I respond to him today? Here's what it means. See, brothers and sisters in Christ who've made the decision to follow him, just as these two women fell on their faces in reverence and worship before him, as they recognized who Jesus was and what he'd done on their behalf, question for us, challenge right here from their response, are you and I living with this reverence daily? This awe, this worship of him where we gladly bow the knee. Each day, Are we living with this sense of worship and awe that He called you, that He adopted you, that He died for you and I, that He forgave you and continues to forgive you, that He freed you, that He empowers you to live in Him and for Him, and has given you an unshakable hope that He will be with you now and you will be in His presence for eternity? Are we still living in awe about that? Or has it just become so familiar? And we've crowded it out with the table of the world. Loved ones, the resurrection of Jesus gives us the power to live in light of that eternal day. When we will see him face to face. And we will be removed from the presence of sin and darkness forever. And it empowers us to live out this same commission without fear. Jesus said, come and see. You came and saw. And now he says, go and tell. Your future is secure. My power and presence are with you. You have an unshakable hope. You've been freed from living in fear. And now go and tell that others may come and see. And behold their Messiah. How are you responding to him, brothers and sisters? You'll see this quote on the screen. A challenge for us, for for sure for me, don't let the familiar minimize the Savior. Let's say it again. Don't let the familiarity with the gospel minimize the work of the Savior and the person of the Savior. And if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, same question for you, loved one. How will you respond to Jesus? Will you believe that he came to earth as fully God and fully man and lived a perfect life for 33 years and out of his love for you And me, he hung on that cross as the wrath of God and the hatred of sin was poured out on him to pay the penalty for your sin and mine, which separates us from a holy God. And you say, well, I'm not so bad. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you can never pay that debt on your own. Neither could I. Not by your works, not by your wealth, anything else in this life. And that sin that separates you from, from the Lord will ultimately lead to your death apart from God in hell if you aren't saved through Jesus Christ. Notice this. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Right here, Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin is maybe a little bit okay in the end, maybe a little bit of Jesus in the end. No, death. But the free gift of God, free gift. You can't earn it. Free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Jesus now offers forgiveness of sin and eternal life for all who repent. That is, turn away. Turn away from their sin and confess him as Lord and Savior. Jesus is risen from the grave, loved ones. Happy Easter. Will you believe in him to have life? Hear the word of our Savior today. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Come to me. Come to me. I will give you life. I will give you hope. And I will give you a future. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And if you're here and that's you, and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity for that right now in this place. You don't have to work your way into this. You can make that decision right now to follow Christ. It's between you and him. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing. All the heads are bowed. This is between you and the Lord. You have seen the truth revealed and confirmed, and now it's decision time. And so if you're like, yes, I see the truth. I want to surrender my life to the Lord. I'm done putting my hope in myself or this world. It leads to nothing, nothing but death. I want Jesus. Then pray this with me. It's not about the words. It's about the posture of your heart right now, saying, Lord, I need you. Pray with me. Believers, be in prayer all over this place. Lord Jesus Christ, I am a sinner, but I believe you are the Messiah. You are the Savior of the world. There is no other name by which I can be saved. I see the truth. And I repent of my sin. I turn from that and I turn to you and confess you as my Lord and Savior. What you say goes, I submit my life to you and your leadership knowing there is freedom and hope and joy. And it doesn't mean I will not have trials in this world, but I know with you as my Savior, you will be with me in those trials and I can have peace. So Jesus, I trust you, I believe in you, and I ask you to be my savior. Lord, I pray all over this place right now, as your spirit is at work, I pray you would lead us to respond, not just hear the word, but believe it and respond faithfully to it. As we sing, as we leave from here, if you're here and you've just made that decision to follow Christ we want to pray with you we want to celebrate with you so make sure you come on up after tell us tell myself one of our elders we want to encourage you or tell the people that brought you that would be a great gift to them alright our living hope Jesus Christ loved ones will you stand and respond